Welcome to Your Life Now Radio Show, where your life matters. Your host, Coach Rhea, is a certified professional life coach with a passion to help make the difference in the world. Your Life Now Radio Show brings you powerful resources and effective tips to help you live your best life ever. And now, here's your host, Coach Rhea. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Your Life Now. It's uh, um, Coach Ria. Thank you for being here. As always, I am your host. I am delighted to be here live with you uh, on the air. My friends, I want to thank you for listening to my show, for supporting my show. And because of you, my show was actually featured on Block Talk Radio homepage uh, a few days ago, and I was so excited, but without you and without your support, that couldn't even be possible. So I do want to thank you all and uh, for listening to the show live, for listening to it archive, and also for downloading the show on iTunes in the podcast. So again, my friend, I am the uh, um, the founder and the CEO of Your Life Now. It is a professional life coaching service, and on this show, we talk about a lot of different topics related to our everyday life and uh, professionally and also personally. Some of these areas that impact our life can include but not limited to our personal and professional growth, personal relationships, money, finances, career, self-esteem, and overall the quality of life. I always like to set my intention in the beginning of the show. My intention of doing this show is really to inspire you, to help inspire you to make some positive changes in your life so you can live the life that you deserve to live. It is really all up to you. So all I ask of you on this show is really to have an open mind and an open heart and, and take whatever is useful for you and put it, you know, put it to test and see, you know, don't listen to me, listen to yourself. But it is really is your choice. So make that positive, you know, the right choice for yourself. And I wish you all the best in your life. So again, you know, I host the show with with guests that helped me along the way that we talk about some of these topics. And I also host it alone when I do a life coaching session on on the air. Today, my friends, uh, we're going to be talking about a topic that we did touch up on. I'm actually waiting for my guest to dial in. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that he'll be here soon. But this topic of, of fear, you know, we talked about fear in our life. We talked about, you know, what's the cause of fear. We talked about the two main emotions that we are, the human being, we do experience in our lifetime, which is love and fear. And I'm not sure if you know that fear, it's an emotional response. It's an emotional response that sometimes can cause us to stop it can hold us back, and in 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 a sense, it's try to for us to try to protect us. You know, we try to avoid something that we believe can harm us. Fear is the number one challenge most of us face. Fear comes in a different form. We could be fearing the unknown. We could be fearing this of of success, of failure, and we could be fearing a lot of different things. You know, and the problem with fear, it can lead to a lot of different things in our life. It can lead to having, you know, lack of, lack of self-esteem. It can prevent us from living a fuller, successful life. My guest today is Michael Luckman. He is here to talk with me about the topic of fear and also talk with us about his new book, Overpowering Fear, Defeating the Number One Challenge in Sales and Life. With 40-plus years as a salesperson, marketing pioneer, entrepreneur, and sales trainer, Michael Luckman is today a successful and dynamic speaker, trainer, and coach. In Overpowering Fear, he opens up his life and the lessons learned to help his reader uncover their own fear blocks and overpower them in order to enjoy Life full of confidence, success, and abundance. Michael peels back the cover on his own life with astonishing honesty and impressive insight. He exposes painful emotional events that began in childhood and continue to dog him as he rose in the business world. 
Michael told his in his book there's a lot of humor as well as deep personal truth. Michael's life story and his Luckman's laws help reader take an, an actual, a brave and fruitful look at their own journey. They will be delighted to find a few exercises in the end of the book that Michael had created to help them find the causes and the cures for their own fears. It is truly is my pleasure to have my guest today on the show. Michael, thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Ria. It's a oh, pleasure it to be with pleasure. you. <laughs> it is my pleasure. <laughs> I have to tell you, I had a hard time putting your books down. What a great book. And I, you know, we, we share quite a few um, things, you know, in common in, in our background. I come from a corporate sales, and I know, for you know, you had spent quite a few years in your life uh, being a salesperson and a salesman, as you call it. And mm -hmm. also, um, you had done a lot of training, you have done a lot of things, and then you realize a lot of things. Uh, most, most. I mean, you know, we're talking about salespeople. You know, in life in general, fear. I mentioned before you came on the air that fear is really the number one challenge most people face today, and that fear comes from a different, um, in a different form. You know, we could be fearing the unknown. We could be fearing of success, failure. We, you know, and, and I mentioned also that can lead to lots of self-esteem. And we know, especially when you are in sales, if you don't have, if you're not confident of yourself, you don't have that great self-esteem, you're not going to be able to go and, and sell whatever it is that you want to sell. So let's, let's exactly. go, you know. <laughs> Sorry, like I said, I, I just love your book. And I love the fact that, you know, you touch on spirituality and we're going to get into all the stuff. But uh, let me ask you, first of all, I know you said in your book that you, you've been thinking about writing this book for about 10 years. Is that correct? About That's correct, okay. yes. Why yes. now? Why took you that long? Uh, it's an interesting question. Well, why this long? You know, it's it's a funny thing when when it, it, you, we know that there's a right time. And what what it was, I have been thinking about fear for a long, long time. I've been working on it more than five years that I've been working on fear because I'm I'm a fear based person. I was born into fear. There was not a day that went by that I didn't feel some fear, and uh, and I was constantly bumping up against my fears. And I would love to be able to tell you that uh, I overpowered all my fears, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't. There were plenty of times where in my negotiation with fear, uh, fear won. And right. every time I allowed fear to win, I lost. And, uh, you know, the question, why, you know, all of a sudden to, to write the book? Well, to write a book, I can talk about my fears, but until I was able to develop the means for facing my fears, accepting them, understanding them, and then overpowering them, I, it would have been disingenuous for me to write a book until I had worked right. through how to do it. Because to, to get people just to recognize their fears or understand them without giving them the tools to overpower them would have been, you know, would have been a major part of the book that would have been let let off. And I what understand. really started to convince me to write this book is that I, for the past ten years, I've been a sales trainer. I've owned my own company, and I've taught a methodology by, developed by a man named David Sandler. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love training, and as far as I'm concerned, the Sandler methodology is the best sales training that's out there, bar none. And so I was teaching a wonderful, wonderful methodology, the best. And I always thought of myself as a great trainer. My success would come from the success of my students. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought of myself as a great trainer. But there's a third component there that I have no control over, and that's the student themselves. Right. And so I could teach them what to say. I can teach them how to say it. I can walk them through that. I can carry them. I can support them. And But I can't 
pick up the phone and make the calls for them. I can't step into a buyer's office for them. Right. They have to do that. And oftentimes what I'd find was I would have two, let's say two individuals, as an example, of equal talent, equal abilities. Both are what I would consider charismatic, articulate, you know, uh, good represent- representations of their company. And one would just blow through their numbers using this new methodology, and the other one would have a few little increase, but nothing more than that. And I always wondered, why does one succeed like that where the mm-hmm. other one struggles? Right. And so what I would do is I would role play with the one that would struggle. You know, I would have them pick up the phone and call me and roll. <laughs> and what I would find is that as they were going through this marvelous script that we would work on together, they would leave parts out. And I would, you know, you know, 15 seconds into the call, I'd do a timeout and I'd say, well, what happened to blank, blank, blank? Right. And they'd say to me, oh, I just, I'm uncomfortable saying that. Or, or the prospect won't allow me to say that. Or they'll get mad at me. Or it's too long, they want to shorten it. And this would go on a number of times during the call. And what the final realization was, Rhea, was that even having all the knowledge, even having all the tools, even having the charisma being articulate and everything going for you, if you bumped up against your fear and you couldn't get past your fear and you allowed fear to win, you were never going to achieve the success, the greatness mm-hmm. that I believe each true. of us deserves to have. True. So true. So true. I have to give you a personal experience. I used to be, because, you know, eventually you'll hear I have a little accent. <laughs> but back when I started in sales, I had a really heavy accent. And one of my fear was to speak on the phone. So to make cold calls. And I used to just be terrified and look at me. Now I host my own radio show, so I am on, <laughs> <laughs> on the air. So, but the thing is, you know, I was terrified because I, if I was in front of them, it will, you know, I was okay. But the fact that I was behind, I was hiding behind the phone, they couldn't see me. They couldn't, like, relate to me. They could just, all they hear is, like, someone who has this heavy accent and they're like, oh, you know, I don't know how am I going to come across. But then, you know, obviously, you know, when we confront our fear, you know, we have to recognize it first, which I think that's one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, how, what did you discover about fear? But I think we really not just only, you know, um, eliminate fear, we need to acknowledge that we do have fear and what the fears are, right? What are we afraid of? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to ask you, you know, so what what did you really discover? I mean, you know, these are some of the things, I mean, this topic came came on this show many, many, many times because, like I said, it's really one of the number one issues that most of us, you know, um, face in these days, you know, because there's really two main emotions that we human beings experience. It's love and fear. You know, if we come from a place of fear, we, you know, obviously we know what happened in our life. And if we come from a place of love that we know, you know, everything is okay, you know, things also change. But what yeah, did exactly. you discover? Yeah, what, you know, tell me your input about fear. What do you okay. think Well, fear the first is? thing we have to understand and is that we're not unique. You know, oftentimes we go through life starting at a very young age, starting really at toddler time and grade school and, of course, really manifests itself in high school, is we think we're the odd person out. Mm, we right. think that we have these strange fears, you know, and nobody else feels it. We're the only ones that feel this fear. And the first thing that I want your listeners to know and my readers to know is that fear is universal. It has been with us forever. The things, the crazy things that we think about, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about and I'll address because that's the fear that I believe most of us are facing. See, we have fear, and it is built into us from the time of mankind. In fact, you and I would not be talking today if our ancestors didn't experience fear because fear was designed 
to protect us. Right. Right. You know, and 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 the way fear works, just a brief the way it works, is that we have this old part of our brain. Someone will call it the reptilian part of our brain, and in it is this little nodule, and it's it's called the amygdala. And the amygdala is tied in with your five senses. Mm-hmm. And any time your five senses send it a signal that, wait a second, there's something out there, and I hear it, and I can smell it, and I'm, it doesn't, it smells like a wild animal or whatever. And uh, we, what happens is, is our amygdala then will send out signals to our body, prepare itself. There's something out there, and we're not sure, quite sure what it is, and it could be very dangerous to us. And what happens is the amygdala changes in, in, in nanoseconds, changes our body. We go from a state of sort of casualness to all of a sudden our body is being flooded with hormones, mm-hmm. the main one being adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And what happens to our body when it senses fear is that our heart rate increases, mm-hmm. so again, more blood to mm-hmm. the muscles of the body. Our breathing increases because we mm-hmm. need to take in more oxygen to, meet, to mix with the sugars in our blood to form energy. And you know that hollow feeling we feel when we feel fear? That hollow feeling comes from the fact that most of your blood that was working in your, in, uh, you know, your uh, digestive system to digest your food is being detoured away. It's being shifted away to go to the muscles because you are in what is called a fight-or-flight syndrome. Right. Where your body is preparing itself to either fight for your very life or to run away. Now, that's great if we walk down a, a dark street and we see somebody coming at us with a knife in their hand. Or we walk out of, I live in California, and we have mountain lions, and you know we read a couple times a year that somebody walked out of their house and, Boom, there was a mountain lion on their lawn. And there is a chance that now there we want fear to prepare our body to run, to get out of there. Okay? But the interesting thing is if we're afraid to pick up a telephone to call someone, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a salesperson. It just could be anybody just to right. call, to call to a stranger. Very often we feel fear, and the fear that we feel in our body is identical. The amygdala doesn't know that the fear you are feeling is real, Mm -hmm. that mountain lion on your lawn or the guy Mm -hmm. coming at you with the knife, or it's made up. The fear of picking up the phone and calling somebody. And so our body responds the same. And and which is when you think about it, it's ridiculous right. to think that so many times a day our body is going into a fight or flight mode, and it is only caused by the delusional thoughts in our mind, and that's where we all get ourselves tripped up. You know, we're in high school and we're at a dance and we see somebody we'd like to meet, but we're afraid of walking across the gymnasium floor for fear that we'll trip over ourselves or we'll make a fool of ourselves or we'll get to the other side of the dance floor and we'll ask a girl to dance and she'll turn us down and then we're embarrassed or even before we can even get the words out would you like to dance we're, we're, we're hemming and we're hawing and our face is turning red yeah yeah and it's crazy it's yeah. crazy that we would feel the same fear as mm-hmm. if somebody was coming at us with a weapon you know, Michael, you said something, and I didn't want to interrupt you, that you hit it right on the, uh, you know, um, right on. Basically, it's what we believe. I mean, I, I put in the description of the show, you know, fear is an emotional response that causes us to stop. It holds us back to avoid something we believe could harm us. So we can differentiate between what is really harmful to us as what we made up to think is harmful to us. Exactly. That's because, exactly. I mean, fear is necessary at some point to protect us. But what I'm what we're trying to focus on here to the listeners, you know, it's the unnecessary fear. Why is it important to get rid of the unnecessary fear? Because you need fear to protect you because you don't want to cross the street when it's a red light and get hit by a car. 
you know, fear yeah. will protect you to be, you know, making sure that you don't do something like that. So that's, that's exactly, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we that we're not we're not going to lose fear. And even in my book, I, the, the title of the book is Overpowering Fear, right. Right. and as opposed to uh, overcoming fear. You don't necessarily have to overcome fear. You just can't let it stop you. Right. See, that's that's the difference. You know, it, you can feel the fear no matter what. You can feel that, uh, you know, most actors and actresses, especially when they do a live show or a Broadway show, will tell you that, that they feel this nervousness inside, this fear. But they face the fear, they overpower it, they go on, and within a few minutes they're so caught up in, in what they're doing that they don't even recognize the fear anymore. Yeah. And and that's that's the key to it. So we have to understand... First, that fear is natural, mm-hmm. but it's not natural when it comes from the delusional thoughts mm-hmm. in our mind. And the delusional thoughts come from past experiences and things that were Belief. taught as a child right. that become our beliefs. Right, right. You well, know, that's if it. we're... Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm saying, I mean, you, you know, again, you bring it back, and I, I, I like to point out these things because you can, you're making a great point here. You know, it really comes back to our sets of beliefs that we had been, you know, living with for a long time, and we had inherited some of these beliefs, you know, from our parents, from our school, from our environment, from our workplace, everywhere that we go, you know, we keep either adding on, or we try to question some of these beliefs. And if these beliefs mm-hmm. are not, to, they don't serve our purpose, you know, in life, then maybe we need to eliminate those the fears or you're overpower abso- them. You're absolutely right. You, right. you couldn't have said it better. We do need to do that because it is our beliefs. Do you know that, that scientists will tell us that we, uh, each of us, entertains somewhere in the neighborhood of 60,000 separate thoughts a day. Right. Now, most of them, of course, we're not even aware of. Okay? But better than uh, 90% of those thoughts, or let's say 90%, that's 54,000 of 60,000 thoughts that we have in a day, each of us has in a day, are negative. Right. They're negative. Right. And they come from when we were toddlers. See, mm-hmm. somebody defined us, Rhea. Mm-hmm. Somebody told us we weren't good at something. Told, right. Somebody told us we weren't smart, we right. weren't creative, we weren't talented, we didn't have the ability, we're not as good as our older brother or our older sister, or why right. couldn't we be more like that, or you're never going to amount to much, you know. And we learn about who we are. We were these tiny little things. We look up at these adults, and they're giants to us. And these giants tell us that we're not very good at something, right. or we won't amount to much, or we should get into a different profession. Oh, you're not college material. You know, you should look for a trade. And yet we may want to go to college, but we don't believe that we're college material because somebody convinced us of that. Right. And this is where our fears and our delusional thoughts come from. Right. You can even, when you're with other people, listen to what they say about themselves. Right. And they they will tell you that, you know, that this is one of that they and and we take it in stride. We often do this, uh, uh, you know, self-deprecating humor. We, we might say somebody might be given an assignment. You know, well, can you write up, uh, you know, a couple pages on this? You know, oh, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a good writer. You know, I'm just I'm, writing has never been one of my skills. Right. Or how many times do I hear from a woman will say, oh, math? You know, I've never been good at math. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not athletic, so don't ask me. Or, or I can't put that together. Or I'm such a klutz. You know, you wouldn't want me on your team. Well, when we tell ourselves that, and here we're telling the world that. How can we tell ourselves? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, see, these are the things that somebody told us about ourselves. It doesn't mean they're true. But what happens is we accept them. 
as the truth. Well, we need to And start because we accept them as the truth, they become the truth. Uh, Vladimir uh, Lenin, the, the father of the Soviet Union, said, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. Right. And when that lie is given to you by a loved one, by a sibling, by a favorite grandparent, you know, by a teacher, whoever, and they're telling us and they're defining us and we're accepting that as the gospel and we never argue with it. So what happens is when we're faced with an opportunity or a challenge, let's say uh, one of your listeners has a job and a great job, works for a great company, and a new position opens up. And uh, the first thing, instead of saying, hey, that's a slam dunk, that, that job description was written for me. But then they look at it and, and they see who the hiring manager is, and, they, and there's rumors through the, uh, the company that this is a real tough boss. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and somebody had told you <clears throat> that you don't work well with others, you don't play well with others, <clears throat> and especially uh, figures in authority. And so instead of looking at the opportunities to further your career, increase your income, move up the ladder of success, you look at it and say, oh, God, this is a real demanding boss, and I, you know, I, I, I hate when a boss looks over my shoulder, you know, and I may not be qualified this. And what happens is, all the joy that we were feeling about applying for this new position, knowing that it was written for us, it was perfect for us, we instead go the other way. We allow fear to win. Right. And what happens in a situation like this is when fear wins. We lose. Right. The individual who doesn't apply for that job is losing, of course, the income that they would have had from a, from a, you know, a more, uh, you know, a better job, you know, where moving up the ladder. So they're going to lose the income. They're going to lose the prestige of that position and getting getting on that rung of the ladder and and, and believing that you can move up that ladder. Right. Instead, we've lost the income, we've lost the prestige of that position, we've lost everything. Now, a lot of people won't look at that as a loss because they say to themselves, well, I never had it, so how can I lose it? Right? But let's say that that you would have gotten a $30,000 bump in your annual salary if you had gotten this job. Well, 30000 it's a number out there. But what I asked my, my readers to do, in fact, there's an exercise in the book. There are ten exercises I in the book. I saw that, yeah, great. Yeah. Tough. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and see, that's where we need people not only just to read the book, but to do the exercises right. so that they can learn it. Because the second exercise in the book is to define what does fear cost you. And we ask you to take three fears that you have and what does it cost you. you know? and, and every fear can be quantified. And, you know, I think it's called, what have you lost out on? Right. But we, and we have to take a look at, let's say, that $30,000. And we have to look at, because we can quantify that, that would have been your bump in salary. And what could you have done with that $30,000? Could you have bought your spouse a new car? Could you have used it as a down payment on, on a home? Could you have used it to put away to starting your own business someday or your spouse helping them start a new business? Could it have bought orthodontics for the kids? Could it have bought a house in a better neighborhood where my kids would have better schools? Could I have used it to put my children through college? We have to look at that because every time you capitulate or succumb to a fear, you've literally lost, and it is quantifiable. Right. Well, Michael, I think, you know, we, we're going to take a short break and, and check in in, the, in the, um, the chat room. But I just wanted to say that your book, it, it's, you know, we're talking about, you know, because obviously your experience and your background, uh, you know, for many years being a sales salesman and, and your trainer and stuff like that. But this book is not just for business. It's across the board as far as you know facing your fear whether the relationships you know your personal your professional relationship everything you know that you encounter on your daily life 
if you know Michael does does touch on uh, on that in his book, and I I do really like I said I do appreciate you know your book very much because we share a lot of things. I teach some of the things that you you know you you mentioned in the book, and and uh, the way you had laid it out, it's it's great. So we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk a little bit more about you know when did you actually. Uh, finally see fear as a force that you could overpower. So I'm going to take a short break, Michael, and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Wonderful. Thank you. Your Life Now radio show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments. You are listening to Your Life Now radio show. Thank you all for listening. And again, I wanted to, to, to say thank you so much, um, you know, for supporting my show. My show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio homepage, and that makes me feel good that I'm actually doing something good on, on the air. And, uh, you know, I, you always hear me talk about my intention of, uh, you know, help to inspire you, hopefully, to make some positive changes in your life so you can live the life that you deserve to live. And um, before the break, we are talking with my guest today, um, author Michael Luckman. Luckman, I'm sorry if I uh, pronounce your name wrong. Luckman, right? Luckman, okay. <laughs> See, my accent is going to come somewhere, you know. You're going to hear pronunciation <laughs> problem. Anyhow. I apologize. And uh, uh, Mr. Luckman, uh, Michael, is um, is here to talk about his book, Overpowering Fear, Defeating the Number One Challenge in Sales and Life. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, fear is something that I mentioned before the break that, you know, we touch on a lot on this on this show because, you know, um, fear comes from our, our sets of beliefs. Fear comes from, you know, what we believe about ourselves. And uh, fear can also hold us back because we believe that we are being harmed somehow and we cannot differentiate between something that is really harmful to us and something that we just made up. And, uh, um, and, and Michael is here to kind of, you know, try to clarify some of these some of, the, some of these issues, you know, when it comes to fear. Um, Michael, I, I mentioned to you before the break that I was going to be asking you the question, when did you finally see fear as a force you could overpower? Well, I was very, very fortunate. About, oh, 20, about 25 years ago, I was very fortunate. I was married for the second time, and uh, I... I got into a men's group. I read an article in a local paper about a men's group, and I contacted the gentleman uh, that was running it, and I said, I'd, this sounds great for me. I've always thought I'd like to be in a men's group. We're sharing men's uh, you know, thoughts and why we are the way we are. And uh, shortly, it used to meet like just once a month, and it was a loose-knit group of guys, and wasn't much of anything. But somebody had suggested that we read uh, John Bradshaw's book uh, had something to do with overpower or, or helping the, uh, the inner child, and this was like I said. John Bradshaw was very popular, and he was on uh, uh, NPR and PBS uh, television, and and so we there was about ten of us that decided we were going to read the book, and not only were we going to read the book, but we were going to do exercises that were in the book or tied into the book. Uh, we realized that we couldn't do it, and so our group hired a facilitator. And we stayed together about seven, eight years, the group. And it was in this group of men that I really 
realized that although we came from a diverse group of guys uh, growing up in different parts of the country, uh, you know, different nationalities, ethnicities, that we were pretty much all the same. Mm-hmm. That was that was the re- that was the first point when I realized that you know we're not all so different from each other. In fact, when we would talk about uh, growing up and what our lives were like and what our parents were like, and especially our mothers, right. we actually realized that we could sort of interchange our, our our mothers, you know, and and pass them off, and we'd get a chance to try somebody else's mother, and we would find that they were pretty much the same. We were raised that way, and it was it was amazing. And what happened was that uh, we had bonded as a group. There were ten of us, and we would go out and we would hire, interview, and hire our own facilitators. Right. And so we would hire, uh, you know, people that could facilitate us, or people that tied into a certain book or a certain methodology, and they would be psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever. And there was one uh, gentleman by the name of Ernie Pesci that turned, he was happened to be a uh, psychiatrist, and he introduced spirituality to our group. Right. You know, nothing tied in with religion at all, just pure spirituality. And it was something that I felt like I was searching for all my life, mm-hmm. that it was missing from me. And through the work in the in the my group my men's group, the things we were learning, the things we were sharing, the fact that we were pretty much all the same. We, Even the most popular, we even had a fighter pilot, a Navy pilot, you know, oh, wow. you know in, in, in our group, you know. And uh, uh, he talked about once about his greatest fear was the time at 3 in the morning he was shot off the deck of an aircraft carrier into pitch black darkness where you couldn't even see wow. your hand in front of your face. And and but yet when we talk, but when he talked about high school and he was in the real popular group, he had his fears. So it just made me realize that we really are all created equal. Right. Uh, all the good things and all the bad things. And but it was through Ernie Pesci that I started reading about spirituality and learning about spirituality and learning that we were created, each of us, for greatness. Yeah that we were actually created by God, by our higher power, for to reach unlimited, unlimited things, to, to have and be and do everything in our lives. And then it started, I started thinking about, well, what is preventing me from doing the things and reaching those things that I desire? And it came to me. It was fear. Right. That's because amazing. Because we allow fear to stop us in our tracks. And what we often do is we make uh, what I call workarounds. When we don't face a fear, we, we, we come around, we negotiate. Let's say uh, we're in business and somebody, let's say we own a business, we're CEO of a company. Mm-hmm. But we hate selling, we hate going out, we hate meeting new people, and we even fear calling another CEO of another company. Right. And I've worked with plenty of CEOs right. who have that fear. <laughs> yes. And 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 I realized that each of these people, when you can't face a fear, you'll you'll work around ways to get around it. Oftentimes getting around it is to talk yourself out of it. Let's say somebody yeah. gives you a referral and mm-hmm. says you really should talk to this person and you look at it and it's for a, a big company and you've never sold a big company and it's for a higher up in a big company, and you've never sold at that level before. Right. And so what happens is you wind up becoming what I call, uh, you're, you, by, you're intimidated by title. You're afraid to call. <laughs> That's a good one. So here's what you, so you put off calling, and, we, and procrastination right. happens That's to be huge. fear too. It is only right. fear. Right. Fear prevents you because you can't that's make a, a good, decision. That's you can't a really good, uh, yeah. Because you know that, yeah. I mean, I never thought about it that way, but yes, absolutely. I think I can, I can definitely see that. Yes. Yeah. And so when you procrastinate, so what happens is you're sitting with this referral. It could add tremendous dollars to your to mm-hmm. your top line revenue in your company. Uh, it could be your biggest uh, uh, client, but you don't pick up the phone, and so instead you say to yourself. Well, you know, I'm just a small guy. We haven't been in business that long. They probably want to deal with the big guys. They probably don't want to deal with a small guy. 
And so you've just created a justification for not calling them. Right. Let the prospect decide if you're the right guy for them. Not you to pre-decide and to give up on it. Absolutely. And this happens all the time. When training salespeople, many, many salespeople will call at a level, a mid-level within a company. Right. And because they're comfortable there. But they won't call on a VP or a C-level mm-hmm. officer. So every time, I just want to use these examples, every time that we face fear and we capitulate, we give into it, we've lost. And usually we can quantify that into dollars we lost. And and that's, that's what I'm trying to get through in the book. And if you're created on the one hand for greatness, to be everything you can be, to have everything you can have, and to do everything you desire to do, and all we've got are delusional thoughts, and fear isn't real. Mm-hmm. You fear know what is I like? Created by our I, I, thoughts. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you here for a second because I really want to point out, you know, some of the insights I felt, you know, when I was going through your um, your book. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons that you also, I mean, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, um, you start really getting in touch with who you truly are. As as a person, as as a higher you know self, and I uh, you know we, spirituality is not about religion. Spirituality about connection with your own spirit, with your own self. And mm-hmm. some of the practices that you do on a daily basis, I was reading. I was like, oh my god, this guy is like he does everything that I do. <laughs> so I mean, it was a great great insight that I I found from reading your book. So I definitely highly recommend that people do get a copy of your book and and and. Uh, um, do some of the exercise exercises in the book and uh but you know it michael spirituality is something that you had it, it came along to you because did you have encountered something like really kind of a fall down like a what I'm trying to say like something really had huge happen in your life that uh brought you to not, that place well i you know yes i've uh, written in my book and as you read i i've gone through some very tough times in my life. Yeah. I had a very sick child that came down with Crohn's disease when she was 11 years old, and she's 43 now. She's had it for 32 uh, years or whatever. Uh, she's lost most of her small intestine, uh, you know, multiple surgeries. I've had that. I've gone through two divorces. I've had business failures. I've been betrayed by a partner. I mean, so I've gone through some difficult things. Not, not that you know I'm, I'm exceptional or different because these are this is life. This but you overcome life. it. But you overpower it. I mean, that's what I'm trying to tell our listeners because this show is about empowering people to really kind of you know look at from whatever place you are, you can change your life. And now you are that's stronger than ever. I mean, you are abs- absolutely, you are absolutely. We we have that power. And that's what I'm hoping the book will do, that will tell people and say, look, at, I'm, I'm not a priest, a rabbi, or a minister. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm you. The only difference between me and you is I've been on the path longer. That's all. Right. And, and I wrote the, wrote the book, really, because I know that there are so many people on the path behind me that don't understand why their life why their their life is the same old same old why they keep experiencing the same thing just a different day right and that we were created for that greatness uh i'm i'm a student of the uh, of a course in miracle and and uh in fact there's even a, a chapter in my book that i've written based on one of the things that i learned in there which is littleness versus magnitude. Right. That we have the choice. And unfortunately, most of us choose littleness. And I changed the word magnitude because it's sometimes difficult to grasp. And I changed magnitude to greatness. So here we've got a choice. We can choose to be little, to work at a little job and earn a little income and have our little happiness. But... There is nothing that's preventing us. There's not 
any walls. We're not in a prison. We're in a wonderful country, a wonderful society, a wonderful culture where we have all the opportunities in the world. And there is nothing out there. It doesn't matter your race, the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter your gender. Uh, It doesn't matter your age. Each and every one of us has the ability to go for greatness and to accept nothing but greatness. Right. And it's that funny about, I mean, I, there's a, um, I, I don't know, remember who said that quote, but uh, it, it's an interesting thing about life. If you refuse um, nothing but the best, you most likely to get it. But you have to want it. You know, I mean, that's the thing. That's what makes us different. I think we that's all like, have... I think I, I even quoted that in a, in a blog. You, I think I don't uh, W. It, Somerset I, I uh, Maugner, I think... Uh, I, th- I think that was the quote. If you if refuse to accept anything but, you know, the best or, or you know, something, something I'm paraphrasing it now, right, but I think right, you said it better right. than I do, but you're right, you know. But see, the, there, here's another thing, though. We've been taught oftentimes, and I was taught as a young child, you know, whenever I asked for something, my mother would always say, big shot, you, 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 you tell me you deserve that? Why do you deserve it? I had to almost have to, you know, write a, a business plan on why I deserve a new right. model airplane or something like that or a new toy. And, well, and, and so oftentimes we go through life believing that we're not deserving. And this is another big thing that we, we face. Mm-hmm. For some reason, others, they deserve to have the best. They deserve to have everything. But not us, not our family. And so when we're offered these opportunities, we, our voices, and we all hear our voices, and our voices say to us, in our own voice, that's the insidious part of of hearing these people, these voices we hear. It's our voice. But the words are not ours. The words were given to us when we were younger. And so when I'd want to go out and buy myself something, my voice would come, what do you need, big shot? You you need to spend that much money? What do you need that for? You know, you don't need that. You can do without that. What do you need the best for? That's the ego. This is my mother talking to me. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, our ego also play, you know, play a role on us too, trying to tell us what we Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, so, so you know, that, we have a few minutes left, on, um, you know, on the show schedule today. But I just want to put out a number. If you do have a question for um, uh, Michael Lechman, uh, please feel free to call us at six two six two one three five seven seven three. And uh, thanks to those who are in the chat room. Thank you for signing in. You can always place your your question there if you like, and uh, you can also use Skype to call in. And um, okay, so um, let's see now. Can you tell us some of the how-to tips? You know, maybe. I mean, I always like to, you know, give people something. You know, um, well, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the first exercise in my book. I mean, because we have so many thoughts in a day, and we're, and so many thoughts. Ninety uh, percent of those thoughts are negative we often don't recognize that we are thinking negatively so much. And having uh, the average person has 60,000 thoughts in a day, 54,000 of them are negative. So we can't monitor our thoughts. But the, the great thing about negative thoughts are that they manifest themselves in negative feelings. So if we monitor our feelings, we know that we're thinking a negative thought. And because fear responds in the body to real fear, that mountain lion on the lawn, or getting up in front of a group and speaking, which is not a real fear. It's a delusional thought. It's a negative thought. And so anytime you're feeling fear, the first thing I always suggest is stop and ask yourself, what am I thinking? Right. What am I thinking? And you will, because see, what happens is when you think negatively, you start out with one negative thought, which seems to go out there and attract other negative thoughts, until your mind is racing with a whole scenario. 
You know, it's a doomsday scenario. You're making up stuff. You stop building on it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. You're making it up. You're making it up. Your right. mind is making it up by attracting all these other thoughts and building this horrible, horrible scenario. One of my favorite quotes is from Mark Twain. And Mark Twain said, I have been through, I have gone through some terrible, terrible things in my life, right. some of which actually happened. Right. <laughs> I love that quote. I know I read it. I, I, it's one of my favorites, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's because Nick, not all we, of them happen. We made them happen, you know, or yeah. we just created them our heads. They never actually really, manifest anywhere. <laughs> better than 90%, I think it's somewhere about 96% of what we worry about and think about never, never uh, happens. Right. I came to that conclusion a few years ago. I mean, you know, it's like my first... Um, I got recruited out of college to, you know, to work for the Chamber of Commerce, and that was like my first sales job. And, uh, you know, and and I told you about my, my fear with the phone. I told you about, you know, some of the things. But when I started, like, really kind of like a breaking it down, like, where do I want to be and what do I deserve and, and why am I so worthy of having it all? And I still to this day, I mean, you know, I keep putting it out, though. You can't just accept expect the things to come to you if you're not willing to you know, to take that action, you know. Absolutely. Right, right. Right. But you have to recognize some of these things that we make up, they just made up stuff. They're not real, you know. So it's okay to say to yourself, like you said, some of these questions I asked, you know, my clients, we talk about it on the show. Ask yourself what you're thinking right now and also how you're feeling. Because like you said, feeling also tells you because your body can tell you exactly what's going on. Absolutely. When when you feel negative, and you know you do, you can feel it because you get that emptiness. Your your begin to your hands get sweaty, you know. It's uh, it's like going to a, a social uh, you know uh, program or something or a party. Or it could be networking group or it could be anything, and you will know that you're facing fear when you feel it. Right. And as soon as you feel it, stop. In fact, uh, you know, for my students, what I suggest is to carry around a little notebook and keep track of every time you have a negative thought. And, of course, you know, you're not going to write down 54,000 thoughts every day. But there are going to be certain ones that are going to really make you feel that fear. You're going to feel the fear. And as soon as you feel the fear, it's at that point, what am I thinking? Write it down. Maybe even write down what's going on at this particular moment. Because, you know, everybody always talks about change your mind, change your life. And it's true. But nobody ever teaches you how to change your thoughts, how to change your mind. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost is feel it, understand it. Once you do that, you can change it. You can let go of it. And letting go of it is very easy. You just say to yourself or you say to your higher power, you know, God, higher power, Jesus, whoever. You say, I no longer want this thought. I let go of this thought. I replace this thought with this thought, and let it go. Right. Well, you know, this is it, like, you it's know, not it's not really difficult. It really right. isn't. That's the that's the great thing. Right. I mean, you're going back to the self talk, the self programming. What do you tell yourself? You know, what kind of language are you using? You know, um, and why are these you know thoughts are there? Because that's that's the key. I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of journaling. I use it in my professional, in my business, with my clients, and everything. And uh, you know, of course, you're right. We're not going to be able to write thirty some thousand you know thoughts on a, in our journal, but we can. I'm sure we can have a few every day, and I call them insights or something that just come up. It's like, oh, you know, this really shook me up. Why did it shake you up? What happened? What are you afraid of? You know, what some of these things. So how, you know, I mean, I know we have a few moments, and I just want to take the most out of, you know, um, again, we are speaking with author Michael Luckman, and uh, with his latest book, Overpowering Fear, Defeating the Number One Challenge in Sales and Life. So it's not just for, you know, sales uh, salesmen, salespeople, or sales ladies. Uh, even if these are for CEOs, if people are even at a higher position in, in, in the company, they could still have fear, and they could definitely use a lot of your um, tips and techniques from the book. So I do highly recommend it. 
Now, you do also, I mean, like I said, you have so much, we have so much in common that when I was reading the book, I felt like I was writing that book with you. Um, That's because we're so much the same, really. I literally wanted to, like, I wanted to, like, almost call you last night. I was like, oh, my God, no, no way, you know. But that's because, you know, great minds always think alike, right? Right, right. Um, You make some, um, also some free audio programs on Overpowering Fear. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm working on a set of audio programs that will probably be at least 12, maybe 14 in a set. And I, I've decided to take the three of them that, uh, that are finished, and I put them on my website. And mm-hmm. if you just go to my website, my website, uh, it both goes to the same place. You can either do overpoweringfear.com or michael-luckman.com. Or just Google me, Michael Luckman. It's uh, the last name is L U C K M A N, so it's pretty simple. And if you just go there and just register, now I, you you will be on my email list, and I blog every day. And if you decide you don't want my emails, you can just unsubscribe. But you will immediately get a uh, email back that will give you three MP3 files, and these are not, you know, tickler, uh, you know, CDs or uh, MP3s. These are a full 45 minutes to an hour each. And there's one on fear, there's one on shutting off shame, and there's the third one on victory over victimhood. And so I encourage uh, my readers, my listeners to go to the website, sign up, and get those. Uh, The other thing is I do uh, a weekly uh, teleseminar, and uh, it's all on my website. You can sign up for one seminar a month, one tele seminar a month, or one every week, if you so like. And uh, they're usually, uh, I say 60 to 90 minutes, they're usually 90 minutes long. Nice. And so uh, your uh, readers can find out, we call that the my, my Michael's Inner Circle. So we have that. So, yeah. You you are a fantastic uh, person. And actually, you know, it's, it's interesting. I used to always like to have name and face together and, and, and seeing your picture, you know, from your book. And and, uh, and you are such a sweetheart. Like, you have that sincere thing about you that people can really connect with you. And I know I have, um, you know, as, as, a, as a person. And I really do appreciate you being here. I appreciate you sharing your insights, sharing some of these tips with us and with our listeners. I just want to remind our listeners the show will be archived and will also be available for a free download on iTunes. I do want to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You know, you make it happen for me because you inspire me in return, and I do appreciate each one of you. Um, Michael, anything that you would like to leave us with before we go off the air? Uh, just, I'd, I'd just like to say that you have been created by your creator for greatness. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't disappoint her. Her or him? <laughs> I said, no, I said her. <laughs> her. Oh, I love you. Okay. <laughs> how, how could I forget about a, a full 50 or 51% of the, uh, the population? <laughs> I Appreciate you. No, that's that's good because you know, I, you know, I if you notice, I pick on a lot of things. So I'm I'm one of those people that ah, you know, you said that. Uh, no. Okay, go ahead, please. I interrupted you. Well, no, no, that was it. I mean, I just want to just uh, let people know that you have been created. You know, there, everything that you desire is waiting for you. It's waiting there. It's got your name on it. Yes. All you have to do is ask and believe that it will be coming to you. Have faith, and it will. It sure will. Yeah. And it's not by magic. It's not by hocus pocus. You need to do the work. So I will say. You've got, like, but the power, the power is within you. It sure you is. You have the power. You sure is. Again, you know, go get the book. It's uh, you can go to Michael's website at overpowerfear.com. No, over overpowering fear, just oh, like I'm the sorry, book. Overpowering overpoweringfear.com. And it's on the show page as well, so in case I, you know, because I'm always mispronouncing. Uh, yeah. And they can go to uh, uh, Amazon. They can go to Barnes & Noble websites. The book is available there. Great. Uh, or if you go to my website, you can click on a link that will take you to Amazon for the book. Great. Michael, thank you so much, my friend, for being here. We appreciate you. 
It's been my pleasure, Rhea. Thank you. And anytime, you. I'd be more more than happy to come back and talk to you. I would love again. to have you again. Thank you for being here, and we'll be definitely in touch. I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Wonderful. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Are you ready to put an end to thinking about how you wish it were and take action? Take this step to find out more by going to coachingbyria.com, and you can receive your free consultation session with Coach Rhea. Are you ready to put an end to thinking about how you wish it were and take action? Take this step to find out more by going to coachingbyria.com and you can receive your free consultation session with Coach Rhea.